This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever and however you are listening, and welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Uh, Today, dear listener, we have one of those magical moments in the booth today. Uh, It's a little bit Wizard of Ozzy. Today, joining us in studio is the man behind the glass, producer Andrew. Hey, Andrew, good morning. It's good to be back. Good morning. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being back and and coming back. So that that fills me with confidence that you had a good time the first time. Just said Russ is missing it yet again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy for you, Vinny. You missed out last time and Mm -hmm. you get to enjoy. I I know. I I, I went back and I actually listened to our show that week and appreciated all all the things that Andrew brought to us. uh, (laughs) Everything else does. Whatever. Well, you guys, are, you guys are the gold standard usually. So, uh, we're in uh, a season where we're working through a book called "The Great Dechurching" by Jim Davis and Michael Graham. And essentially, we were talking about this off air, but it's a, it's a snapshot of a moment in time. Uh, it takes some sociological data about those who have left the uh, church and looks at their motivations, their reasons for leaving, um, if any motivations or desires to return, and, and then offers uh, in part three of the book kind of a strategy for evangelizing or, or uh, calling back to the church those who have left. And so uh, thus far in our series, we've looked at kind of the profiles, the big categories or big buckets of people. And so uh, just real quick, uh, as a recap, we've covered de-churched evangelicals, so those who have left the church because of belonging uh, and claim that they might return as a result of, of feeling like they uh, belong to a, a new church home. Uh, those who we would classify as cultural Christians, um, those who have de-churched, those who might regard Jesus and Christianity with apathy and perhaps even nostalgia. So really, uh, I like to call these maybe CEOs, Christian and Easter or Christmas and Easter Christians. Uh, next category was de-churched mainstream evangelicals. So very similar to cultural Christians, but they tend to be younger, uh, more spread out, and tend to lean more uh, center-left politically. Uh, ex-evangelicals, so these are those who have permanently and purposefully exited evangelicalism. These are those who, uh, if you're familiar with the term deconstruction, this is the, their popular hashtag online. Uh, and so these are the folks uh, among all of the groups who say they, they have no plans and would never come back to church. And then uh, last episode, we looked at the BIPOC. So uh, this is a group of that was created as a result of the data uh, creating, without purpose, a, a group of all non-white uh, individuals based upon their attitudes, influences, beliefs, and behaviors, and their sense of belonging. So uh, today we're going to look at de-churched mainline Protestants and Catholics. So maybe we can talk about just what is a mainline Protestant or what do we mean when we say mainline Protestant? We're talking about what is, you know, probably the more liberal denominations that we might have. Uh, you know, you know, we went over there. These would be the American Baptist Church, the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, the Episcopal Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Presbyterian Church USA, United Church of Christ, and United Methodists. And each of those, if you've 
Uh, if you followed a little bit of uh, uh, church history or whatever, you've you've seen how they've taken up the social gospel, uh, justice, uh, uh, male female roles, uh, those kind of things that are you know actually they're not putting their finger any longer in the text of scripture. They're uh, putting their finger in the air and feeling the way the wind is blowing. Yep, and then for. Catholics, obviously, would be talking about those who are connected to the Roman Catholic Church, so the little c Catholic movement and connection. One of the, the quotes that uh, Andrew and his research highlighted, I found super interesting. It says, the authors say, we would have expected greater doctrinal disagreements between de-churched mainliners and de-churched Catholics, but we didn't see much difference on several key doctrines. You guys, because they that? didn't have one. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, yeah, this is the thing that came they, that came out, particularly their their view of the Bible. It, you know, it's like for you know, I not speak disparagingly in any way, but you know, generally Catholicism, it, the the priests do church for you. Yeah. Uh, you don't need a Bible. There's traditions. There's other things that you do. You don't, and so so it's that's a secondary thing. Uh, Apart from what you might hear, hear read, and then in the in in these uh, you know mainline churches, what Bible? Uh, they've also departed from Scripture, and they've you know they you know they don't even they have even a hard time saying that the Bible actually contains the Word of God. Um, so it's myths, fables, and just things to make your life better. So let's look at these um, kind of motivations. So we'll look at these uh, de-churched mainline Protestants. Uh, what were some of the, their main motivations for de-churching or leaving the church? The majority of them, or 25%, moved to a new community. 15% said I had other priorities for my time and money. 14% said I didn't fit in within the congregation. 13% said I disagree with the politics of the congregation. And then the last little bit, 10% said, I began to doubt God's existence. Another 10% said, attending was inconvenient. And then 9%, divorce, marriage, or another family change. And then lastly, 8%, I didn't experience much love within the congregation. And adding all that up, about 112%. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might math, have some overlap right? in the different things. Yeah. Any of those stick out to you or you want to talk more about? You know, I think he, in, in almost every one of these categories, we've seen that moving to a new community uh, disrupted them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you you get out of your your traditional role or your you know the things that you do and your pattern for the week, and then it's hard to go, come back. We we saw that quite a bit during uh, you know the COVID pandemic. You know, where people had, you know, for a you know upwards to a year, had their service time uh, greatly diminished, and so it it just just getting back to to those things. And if it's a new community, it's harder to break in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think particularly if you're talking about a mainline Protestant denomination, you, if you're coming out of that, then you've got, a, you've got a connection to a denomination. But if you move to a new area, one of the, I imagine one of the reasons might be that the, that denomination may not be represented in your community. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. well, I'm a, you know, PCUSA individual. And so when I moved to my new community, there was no PCUSA church. So I just, Stop going rather than mm-hmm. you know investigating or trying a new faith community. Yeah. Right. They, they actually pointed out that this is a kind of a northeastern uh, mm-hmm. demographic, so right. that would you know that would matter if you were say going to the south, uh, you wouldn't find the same church there. Mm-hmm. Right. A couple that kind of stand out to me is the they kind of go together at times. I didn't fit in with the congregation, but then also. I didn't experience much love within the congregation. Right. And so those can kind of overlap and go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And 
there is the responsibility of the church to, we are the body of Christ and we're to act like the body of Christ. We're to love one another mm-hmm. and encourage one another. If we see people kind of on the periphery, you know, don't stay within your group, kind of reach out, bring them in, have times of fellowship together. But there's also on the individual's side, like how much of they're not fitting in, how much of a lack of love was them not engaging. And I say that as a, you know, died in the wool, self-professed and very much introvert that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm more likely mm-hmm. to kind of stand back and watch. Right. right. And it's hard for me sometimes to engage. So yeah, yeah if it's, you are it's, that, so uh, that introvert, you need to engage you, too. what you need to do is at least percolate long <laughs> right. enough to be able to, you know, you know, let somebody come up right. to you, right. you know, you, you know, that's part of it. You know, yep. you, if you're visiting a church and you know that you're that person, you know, just keep visiting for a while. Yeah. You know, that don't take uh, your first clue from uh, your first experience. Right. Yeah. And I think it's it's church. And if you just go in and sit down and nobody talks to you, then maybe something is wrong with the church. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to at least like greet you at the door or mm-hmm. somebody next to you says like, how are you doing? Like if you're just sitting there and nobody interacts with you. That might be a problem. That I, might I be would a say this for yep. any anybody. You know, the best thing that you can do is come to church 10, 15 minutes early and yep. leave exactly. 15 exactly. minutes, 20 minutes late yeah. so that you're actually engaging because there is, uh, you know, we'll get into it later, but there is both the event and the family. And and the, and the event is the hearing of God's word and the uh, family is the interaction. And if you're sitting in a congregation, I, being an introvert myself, I would be nervous if the pastor said, uh, you know, stand up and greet your neighbor. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. the time to do that is after or before. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. You always see those memes of introverts freaking out when they say, and now turn to your neighbor and greet. That's right. That's when I hide under the pew. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I saw someone down there needing to be greeted. That's right. Uh, so let's look at the Catholic motivations for the de-churched. We've got, uh, I had other priorities for my time and money, 16%. I disagree with the politics of the congregation or clergy tied at 15%. I didn't fit within the congregation. There's that theme again at 14%. Moved to a new community, remains on the list, but a little further down at only 13%, uh, probably because of the proliferation of Catholic congregations, I would imagine. Uh, faith just wasn't working, 11%. Scandal involving the clergy in the broader culture, 10%. Divorce, remarriage, or another family change, 10%. So as you look at that for the, the de-churched Catholic group, what, uh, which ones stand out? Well, the thing that uh, I saw in both of um, the de-churched mainline and the Catholics were, was the disagreement of the political culture mm-hmm. of that particular church. And, uh, you, know, th- you know, for – and I would guess that they're not even the same. Right, yeah. You know, the, 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 you know, the, the politics of the – the church mainline might be different than the politics of the uh, the Catholic themselves. Right. Yeah, I think it's a reflection of broader culture revealing itself in the church, right? The polarization and the disagreement. I mean, I'm, I remember the only political thing in the church that I grew up was that we we were a polling place, <laughs> right? We, yeah. didn't, we didn't stump. We didn't, you know, we didn't run campaigns. We didn't, you know, talk through politics in our in our preaching. We would certainly deal with moral issues when mm-hmm. they would present themselves in the text. And if there was a cultural connection, we would make that. But, man, today, it, particularly over the last five years, it just seems like politics has crept into the church and into Absolutely. the pulpit. Right. Yeah, and you and you and you particularly see that, and I, you know, I know we're talking about the Catholic Church, but it, the mainline, you know, will 
will host political figures quite often or yeah. will have uh, you know political statements you know for for many of us you know that are charitable organizations you know 5013c organizations that's one of the things you're not supposed to do is engage in that level of political mm -hmm. discourse and yet that's what we do yeah uh, with our last few moments uh, what are some of the author's suggestions for how we might minister or reach out to the uh, dechurched mainline and dechurched catholic I think listening to them, one one is just uh, being able to engage in a conversation with them as as primarily, you know. So you to ask them about their opinion, uh, to be a listener, to be able to show to see where that fits into the the broad category, because you won't even know how to answer a person the hope that's in you unless you've actually heard what their dissatisfactions are. Right. Right. It's uh, kind of interesting. They have a quote here about education, and that according to their study, the more education a person has, the less likely that person is to teach church. Mm -hmm. And with the kind of the goal of, of being inclusive of those with less education, and there might be a greater cultural distance due to differences in education perspective. It I, I find that an interesting quote and interesting aspect of their study. I um, ministered in Seattle, and um, in Seattle had. Like, like about a 50% of the population had at least a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. But it's also the least churched city in America. Per capita has the least amount of churches. and uh, Probably so, once, once churched people weren't as uh, uh, stuck in their own opinion uh, and <laughs> would listen. <laughs> yeah, anyway, well, interesting. Yeah, we'll, con we'll continue to work through some of these stats and, and talk about how we can minister to the D-Church. Thanks for listening to The Gospel for Life, and we'll see you tomorrow.